Well, good morning. Welcome back to the broadcast for Timer Network. I'm Jeff Snyder. This is BRNAM for Friday, August 5th, 2022. And our top story today, spending actually declines in retirement. Well, joining me now to discuss this and a lot more, Robert Powell is a certified financial planner, and he's a journalist whose work has appeared in MarketWatch, AARP, The Wall Street Journal. He also writes a column and authors a, a huge page for thestreet.com. And lastly, this is a huge intro, Rob. Uh, Robert, uh, he is uh, a member of FinStream TV. Bob, so great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us on the program this morning. Oh, it's, it's a pleasure to join you, Jeff. Thank you. Yeah, hopefully my intro, I had to cover all the titles and you know, your work is, you're very well known and we're really appreciative of you coming on the program. You write a lot of great, provide a lot of great information, both on your columns, but also part of FinStream TV. Bob, I want to talk about um, spending in retirement and uh, you wrote a piece on this spending in retirements actually declined. And, and what can you tell us about this? That, that kind of is a, a, a paradox to me. It, it is a paradox. And because most people are told that they should, for instance, use the 4% rule and adjust uh, how much they take uh, adjusted for inflation. Uh, and the assumption is that your spending will increase over the course of retirement. And what the researchers at the Rand Corporation have discovered is that, and others too, by the way, J.P. Morgan, David Blanchett, is that spending actually declines in retirement over the course of, we'll call it your three phases of retirement, like the go-go years, the slow-go, and the no-go years. And uh, what they're uh, essentially saying is uh, you might spend a little bit more in the first phase of retirement. Uh, maybe you travel a little bit more. Uh, maybe you uh, spend more time with the grandkids, et cetera, et cetera. But as you go through the second and third phases, your spending will start to decline appreciably. And uh, and in some of the cases, what will happen by the third phase in the no-go phase, yeah. the expenses that you might have used on entertainment and travel in the first phase might be replaced by healthcare, but potentially not so much that it's an, a dramatic increase in your spending. And so what the folks that I spoke to, Michael uh, Hurd at the Rand Corporation, and in essence, what he said was, maybe you should plan on spending increasing maybe 1% per year over the course of your retirement. And, and, and what that means, perhaps, and this is sort of like, for me, one of the aha moments was, it might mean that you're saving more than you need to. And that's, uh, and, and that's a hard one, right? Because the last thing anyone would want to do is to save less and then get to retirement and learn that you didn't have quite enough to fund 30 plus years of retirement. So it's a really interesting thing um, to sort of say, well, okay, I, I buy the fact that spending will decline, but saving less is a little bit harder for me because I don't know how much less to save in order to fund, you know, that my desired standard of living. Yeah, yeah, and and, and that's the the holy grail, right? That number of what you need is it a million dollars, two million dollars? It's really dependent, Bob, on 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 your own personal needs. I, I want to ask you a question, Bob, um, and I know that usually studies like the Rand Corporation and others are done well in advance, but um, what about this market volatility that I know you have been talking about on your network, in your columns? We're all nervous about it, the economic fragility, if that's even a, a way to describe it. Um, how much does that instruct people's, uh, first of all, retirement decision, but also retirement spending? 
Yeah, I, I, so I think one of the things that I like to think about when I think about market volatility is to remove it from the spending or income equation. So for instance, I, I'm fond of, for instance, the bucket approach uh, in retirement planning, where you would take maybe one to five years of spending and put it in a safe instrument, and maybe the next six to 10 years in a different bucket of maybe stocks and bonds, and then a third bucket, 10 plus years and beyond, in, uh, maybe in more risky assets, the stock market, et cetera. And, uh, and if what you do is have five years of income that is protected um, from market volatility, you don't have to worry about the, the daily ups and downs of the market. And as each year goes by, you'll replenish that bucket number one with money from bucket two and bucket three will go into bucket two. And so I like to think that you know, for retirees who want to avoid the stress of worrying about what their portfolio is doing is to consider a, a, either a bucket approach or sometimes people call it a floor and an upside approach, where what you're doing is creating uh, lifetime guaranteed sources of income, be it Social Security, a pension, an annuity, or or, or other things, um, to to sort of provide the desired standard of living, whatever that might be for you, it could be essential only, or it could be essential and discretionary, um, uh, or uh, or some other der derivation of that. And that way, if you have a floor in place, again, you don't have to worry about what's going on in the market. So I, I sort of like to, I, I personally would say to retirees, um, maybe don't consider using the SWIP approach to generating income re in retirement, because what that does is it means that then you're going to be you know, subject to sequence of return risk or market volatility. And the last thing you want to do is put your desired standard of living at risk, at least from my perspective. Yeah, really smart. I like that bucket approach. It it, it got me thinking, especially as I near retirement, I'm not anywhere close, but at some point I'm going to retire. Bob, last question before we go to a commercial break, and you brought this up at the beginning. Uh, look, we're living longer, but we experience as we age more chronic conditions, pain. I know my knees are bothering me a little bit from years of wrestling and other things that I did. Uh, healthcare costs going through the roof, Bob. How about yep. managing those? I mean, our friends at Fidelity... Uh, they're not really friends, nor are they sponsors, but we consider them quasi-friends. Friend, yep. uh, they've done sur surveys that say $300,000 in retirement. Who knows what it's going to be when you and I retire? So how do you manage those expenses uh, knowing that they're probably going to go up, not down? Yeah. So I think two things. First of all, uh, I think we need to put that number in perspective. It's not as if you need $300,000 set aside at age 65 to you know, to pay, to pay for the next 20 years of healthcare costs. Most people pay for healthcare costs, one through their social security, right? Part of their part, their part B premium gets paid through there. Um, and, and then secondly, most people pay out of cash flow, right? They're either from the earnings that they have while they're working part-time in retirement or from their portfolios or, uh, or from other places. It's not like they have a pool of money sitting in there specifically for healthcare expenses. The other is I would, I would urge people to look at other studies that look at healthcare costs and retirement. Two in particular, there was a series of studies done by Sudupto Banerjee at T. Rowe Price, three studies in fact, where he broke down what the annual cost is and what you can expect to pay for normal and ordinary expenses like, like healthcare premiums and then what you might pay for out-of-pockets and deductibles and co-pays and that sort of thing. And when you look at, break it down by a year-by-year -year expense, um, it becomes much more manageable. And so I would urge people to read that study um, from T. Rowe Price. And also there's a study from uh, Vanguard that they did with Mercer. And they came to the very same conclusion. The costs of healthcare are going to be for most people, right, manageable. There will be a certain segment for people for whom it will be less than manageable. You don't know if you're going to be in that, you know, that, that, that demographic or not. 
So that I think that's the hard part about planning for healthcare costs is, you know, 95% of the time you can plan for it. And then there's a 5% chance that you won't have enough money to pay for extraordinary healthcare shocks. Um, the other thing to think about too is healthcare expenses in retirement. When you first retire, they represent about 5% of your budget of your expenditures. And then by the time you get to be the into the no-go years, it tends to represent about 15% of your budget. So, you know, maybe as you're planning for healthcare costs in retirement, think about those percentages, see how they equate to you. Obviously, the sicker you are, the more likely um, you will have higher healthcare costs. Um, and uh, and it, and the less, you know, the more healthy you are, the the greater likelihood is that you'll have, um, you know, maybe less healthcare costs, but longer healthcare costs over the lifetime because you're, you're going to be living longer, yeah. which is which is a study that Boston College noted. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I was going to make the, just a, a quip that we're living longer, but there are certain things you can control can't control your genetics. We're all predisposed to certain things, but you can control things that trigger. So take a walk. Uh, you know, you don't have to go out and uh, do CrossFit, as an example, that we're big fans of CrossFit here. Bob, I need to take a very quick break. When we come back, we'll talk to Bob about actual versus perceived retirement risks. I think you're going to want to stay tuned right here on BRN AM. Imagine a new television network that will make you richer, healthier, and in control of your financial future. This network is for the policewoman in Nashville, Tennessee, the baker in Dubuque, Iowa, the teacher in Lexington, Kentucky. We want to make the idea of savings and retirement culturally relevant. But what do you see as a defining issue of the midterms? Especially for the smaller businesses. I mean, they are the lifeblood of the American economy. Featuring exclusive interviews, current affairs, and docu-series. 33 yeah. years old, you retired early. The philosophy is money only matters if it helps you live a life that you love. But you gotta start thinking about retirement as soon as you get in. The Broadcast Retirement Network will drive very high engagement with premium partnerships. So this isn't retirement and savings for your parents or grandparents. This is for all Americans. And we're gonna change the way you think about money. Welcome to the next frontier of retirement and savings. This is BRN, the Broadcast Retirement Network. Are you over 50? Would you like to get up to 33% more income in retirement? Then call now for this free book, Annuity Do's and Don'ts for Baby Boomers. This free book reveals little known secrets about annuity strategies that will help you make the right choices before buying an annuity. Call right now for your free book. And as a bonus, we'll also throw in a free annuity rate report, both absolutely free for calling Annuity General today. Call 800-504-8194. Welcome back. We're joined this morning by Robert Powell, the certified financial planner. Uh, and you can find his great work on Market Watch, Wall Street Journal, AARP, and of course, his column on thestreet.com. You can also find his great content, great interviews on finstream.tv. Bob, thanks so much for sticking with us this morning. 
Thanks, Jeff. Pleasure. Yeah, this is this is great. I always love when we get experts like yourself uh, to share great insights. And, and there's a lot uh, I want to dive into with retirement risks. And a lot of us, you know, there's myths, just like there's Greek myths. Uh, there are myths about retirement. Uh, you know, I'm not going to bring up uh, Perseus and the Clash of the Titans here, but I am going to bring up, uh, you know, let's talk about some of the actual retirement risks versus perceived. Let's start with some of the per perceived. Tell us what do we think exists in retirement and, and then some of the actuals. Yeah. So there was a study done at Boston College, uh, the Center for Retirement Research, and they looked at uh, folks and, and what they viewed as risks that they'll face in retirement and what the actual risks are that, uh, that the researchers think uh, they should be worried about. And, and top of the, at the top of the perceived risk list is market risk, right? The risk of volatility, the risk of sequence of return risk, the risk that your portfolio will decline in value over the course of your retirement. And while that may happen, there is certainly you are subject to it. The far greater risk that more the actual risk that you should be worried about is longevity risk, the risk of you outliving your money. And this is a really big risk, right? We, we know that people like Bill Sharp have described, you know, retirement planning as the hardest, you know, math problem to solve because the hardest thing you have to do is to figure out what your date of death is, how long your money has to yeah. last. And uh, and so and it's really important to figure out, OK, well, how long will I live? And, you know, by and large, most people um, will use average life expectancy as their benchmark. Right. They might say, oh, I'm 65. I can expect maybe to live another 17 years or whatever the case may be. But the truth of the matter is, if you start to use averages, right, the law of large numbers, um, what you'll find is half the people die before life expectancy and half die after. And you don't know which half you'll be in. So using life expectancy as a measure for longevity is a really bad thing to do. Um, the, you know, we're dealing, I like to refer to it as the law of one number, right? It's your number and you got to figure that out what that is. And the, to people, what I would say is forget the averages, life expectancy, start looking at, um, uh, you know, maybe some life calculators that will give you a more precise estimate of what you might live to based on your, you know, health, your behavior, et cetera, et cetera, your risk factors. Um, the SOA, the Society of Actuaries, has a great website called Longevity Illustrator, where you can sort of plug in your numbers and get a sense of what your personal life expectancy will be. And then, you know, if, and, and that's certainly a good number, but there's always a good chance, 5%, maybe that you live beyond that. So the other thing that I would tell people is most financial planners I talk to today, Jeff, are using age 95 as the planning horizon. And, you know, you might say, well, there's no chance I'll live to 95. But if you're uh, one of a couple, there's a pretty good chance that, you know, either you or your spouse will live to age 95. So it's not the most unrealistic planning horizon. And I think that will give most people some sleep at night comfort. Um, you know, worry more about longevity and less about market risk. You can deal with market risk. We've talked a little bit about that in another episode. And I and I think, you know, this this notion of running out of money or running out of lifestyle is what how I like to describe it is the far greater risk. Um, the other thing I'll mention, I, and I apologize for blathering on, is the Society, Society of Actuaries has some wonderful resources on their website, and one of which is a chart that illustrates the 15 risks that you'll face in retirement. And it ranges from longevity to inflation to market risk to death of a spouse to divorce, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Healthcare shocks is another risk that people need to worry about more so. And uh, and what I would encourage people to do is to download that brochure, that literature, and get a sense of the risks that you'll face, all 15 of the risks that you'll face in retirement, 
and more importantly, how you manage and mitigate those risks. That's really the key is to sort of check off each box and say, I looked at inflation risk and this is how I'm going to manage it. I looked at uh, longevity and this is how I plan to manage it. I looked at market risk and this is how I plan to manage it. And to me, if you could go through that exercise, you will sleep at night, every night over the course of your retirement. Bob, let me ask you about denial. And I'm not talking about the, the river in Egypt. I want to talk about <laughs> The fact that many of us, look, I think we all have to come to the conclusion that we will move on to wherever we go after living on this world. Um, and so there's a denial for many people to stick their head in the sand and not not address the issues that you're talking about, that to check out these brochures. Do we need to be do a better job? And this is more theoretical, maybe, but let's talk a little bit about education. And I think there's I think we have to acknowledge and I want to get your opinion on this. But we need to do more in terms of educating people like, okay, there's going to be death, but there are things that you can do, whether it's uh, setting up a health savings account, whether it is long-term care insurance, whether it's life insurance to take care of those around you. Do we need to do a better job in terms of the education? I know you and the team at FinStream do this. You also do this in your columns. But as a country, globally, do we need to do a better job of this? Yeah, I, I think, you know, there's so much misinformation out there and there's a lack of resources for people to turn to to get the information that they need. And you're and you're right. People do put their head in the sand about this. It's you know, it's complicated, right? If it's complicated for a Nobel Prize winner, Bill Sharp, it's going to be complicated for the average American. Uh, you know, who would rather spend time researching, you know, a trip to uh, to Ireland, which is much more, you know, fun to do and, and easier to do than sort of to say, okay, how do I make sure my money lasts over 30 years? And how do I make sure, equally importantly, that, you know, if you're the husband and, and you're part of a couple, the likelihood that a man will predecease his wife is really high. So more importantly is how do I make sure that my surviving spouse, if I'm the husband, has adequate income to support her lifestyle after I'm long gone. And so I think what people need to do, quite frankly, is, you know, we, the, the financial uh, institutions certainly are making efforts around educating people. But one of the things that, you know, the problem with financial institutions delivering education is in, in many cases, they have the best of intentions, right? They, uh, the, the, there was the MetLife Mature Market Institute for a bit, which, which was doing some great, wonderful research. But, you know, it wasn't a profit center. And, it, and you know, for many of these institutions, if it's not driving product sales, um, well, the, these institutions, these educational institutions that they created um, get shut down. So I, I think we may need to look at, you know, maybe there's government resources. There's certainly, you know, the world of personal finance shows like yourself, you know, we're doing the best that we can. And the other thing I'll, I'll make note of is, you know, it's that old notion about you can lead a horse to water. I find that the people who read my columns, I describe them as students of the subject. They really want to learn, right? They really want to avoid mistakes and they want to make sure that they get it right from the get-go. Um, not everyone is a student of the subject, right? It's, it's, it's hard to make people students um, if they don't want to learn this topic. On the other hand, uh, for those folks who, who come to learn about this, you know, I feel like we're helping, you know, one, one person at a time uh, achieve the, the lifestyle that they desire. Yeah, and, and Bob, last question for you before we go, uh, you know, wrap up the show. Uh, you don't need what you're talking about. You don't need to be Bill Sharp. You don't need to be, you don't need to know the differences between alpha, beta, and all these different pieces, right? It's about conceptual. It's about the basics, understanding what a budget is, understanding what it means to deposit money in a, in a bank account or a savings account, how to invest, what compound interest is, and, and also the, the things around just taking care of yourself. Those are things 
Those are basic things. You know, I think oftentimes in the financial services industry where you and I are both sitting, we use a lot of jargon and that jargon is just confusing. But really, these things can be rather simple if you know you if you set the right expectations. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll boil it down. Right. What's your what will your expenses be in retirement? And that's kind of easy to figure out. You know, you'll have housing costs, food costs, transportation costs, insurance costs, et cetera, et cetera. Um, what will be the sources of income that you'll have in retirement? Social Security, maybe you have a pension, maybe you have IRAs and Roth accounts, maybe you have rental income, right? What kind of income will that generate? Is that enough income to support those expenses? And if not, you may, may need to make some adjustments, either lower your expenses or maybe keep working or maybe use a reverse mortgage, right? You can do this on the back of a napkin, right? You're right. You don't have to make it more, you don't have to make it Nobel Prize winning, you know, difficult. Um, you can do this on the back of a napkin. What are your expenses? What's your income? And then I'll add to it, you know, what are the risks that you might face? And, and do you have a plan to make sure that you've got those risks covered? And then how will you allocate your assets after that to make sure that, you know, that you have the income that you desire? It's, it, 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 sometimes we make it harder than it, than it needs to be. You know, it, I mean, I, I will be the first to admit, you know, if, if I knew everyone's date of death, I could build a perfect retirement plan. Um, but I don't know everyone's date of death. And so the plans are a bit imperfect, which means I guess the last thing I'll mention is you can do all this on the back of a napkin and then you can't set it and forget it. You'll have to review it as life cycle events occur or annually or semi-annually to make sure that you're, you know, no, no plane ever leaves Logan Airport here in Boston, where I am, to Los Angeles without making flight corrections, right? No one, right? You go at different altitudes, you take a different path, you're going to make flight corrections and just make, accept that as a fact of life when, you, when you're building your retirement plan. Yeah. And the last thing I'll say, Bob, before we wrap up the show is that we put a man on the moon or men on the moon, I think uh, eight, nine, 10, maybe more times. Uh, that certainly is very complex. And we did it with 1960s technology. Bob Powell, always great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us. And we appreciate you sharing your insight on the program, my friend. Thank you for having me. And that wraps up this episode of BRNAM. Have a topic of interest, somebody you think we should talk to, drop us a line. And don't forget, for all the latest curated news and lifestyle, wellness, finance, tech, so much more all in one place, check out today's edition of our daily newsletter, The Morning Pulse. Want to search our archives, check out our latest content, or visit our website, and of course, our streaming partners. We're back again tomorrow for another edition of BRN Weekly. We'll be taking a look back at some of our best segments for the week. Until then, I'm Jeff Snyder. Stay safe, keep on saving, and don't forget, roll with the changes. Now is your opportunity to co-create content around any topic on the first lifestyle and wellness network. Reach a global audience through our platform and co-own exclusive branded content. All of our programs are available on demand and also as audio-only podcasts so you can take us on the go. Broadcast Retirement Network, available anytime, anywhere, and on any device.